The only constant in business is change. Welcome to Trends, Bends, and Opportunities, the show that explores business ups, downs, and possibilities. I'm Pat Lynch, and I'm a retired police supervisor. Now I teach and mentor real estate agents who are looking to stand out above the rest. My partner here is Dr. Lauren Murfield. He's a retired college professor who now works with business leaders, small and large, to do what they never thought possible. Together, we're docking the cop and we're here to help you think bigger and reach higher to deliver disruptive success for today's world. Let's go. We're live according to this and uh, my name is Pat Lynch and uh, along with uh, Dr. Lauren Murfield, we are presenting Trends, Bends and Opportunities every day at two o'clock. We're sharing with you the ups, downs, and possibilities for business. We're doing that in around 30 minutes or so, um, just like a pizza, I guess. And um, Doc, what, uh, tell, tell folks what they can look forward to this week on Trends, Bends, and Opportunities. Well, we have got stellar speakers today. Eric, um, Brent Krauss is, is gonna tell us about doing a pivot in his business and shifting over to making medical masks. Tomorrow is a phenomenal speaker as well. We have Lisa Shastin, who is a attorney focusing on cybersecurity. With Zoom and everything else, that is more important than ever. Thursday, we have got Dr. David Berman from Johns Hopkins University, infectious disease. You don't have to worry about getting misinformation. This guy is an expert in the field. He's gonna be talking about the truth about COVID. Now let's get to the bottom of it. Let's let's quit listening to the bits and pieces. Let's get to that. And then on Friday we have Jana. I'm sorry, Jana, who is going to tell us about COVID-19 cleaning. Excellent material. Awesome. And uh, so I, I've been looking forward to um, today's uh, guest, Brent, because. Um, how do you go from bow ties to masks? Like, wow. By the way, let me give him a plug first. Anybody that knows me knows that I wear the wooden bow ties. This is the guy to hook up with because his dad makes them up in Spring Hill. Phenomenal. I've got seven wooden ones and one acrylic. So I highly recommend it. Should we go ahead and introduce him, Pat? Yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, with trends, bends, and opportunities, we're always looking for what are the trends? How did people bend to find the opportunity? And when I think of that, I, I get the emails from ellabing.com. And when I saw that they quickly shifted to making medical maps, I said, you know, here's a guy that's thinking in the right way. I also like it because there's a whole lot more to the story than what you may know. So with that, welcome, Brent. Hey, thanks guys for having us on or having me on. I appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about what Ella Bing is. You just got started, what, five years ago? No, uh, coming up on eight years ago now. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Started online in 2012 uh, after we lost my uh, little brother, Matthew, to suicide. Uh, He used to love uh, wearing bow ties and my mom would make the bow ties that he would wear. Uh, so, t- and still today, my mom makes uh, the cloth bow ties that we sell. And like you had said before, my dad makes the wood bow ties that we sell. 
so yeah, kind of, we started out of a kind of a necessity to kind of bring our family back together. Uh, and, and we were, you know, about two years after his death, we started, uh, you know, a long mourning period uh, and kind of uh, we lacked direction. Uh, so starting this business kind of helped bring us back together and give us the more, a little bit more of a purpose and to help kind of keep his memory alive. That, that is phenomenal. You already made a bend uh, in your business, you know, when, when you go through trauma and then you say, now what? Um, I've written about that. And, and so you, you started a business and you started online, then you took it into one physical location. Now you've moved to another one, correct? Yeah. So in about around 2016, we started looking into the idea of opening up a brick and mortar in Tampa. Uh, 2017, we found someone to work with who was uh, Roberto Torres of Blind Tiger. Uh, our first location was next to his Blind Tiger shop on South Howard. Um, and then we were there all of 2018 and early 2019, we moved over to Hyde Park Village, which is the place that we always wanted to be uh, a great shopping destination here in town. Um, and a lot of people ask us, you know, in the day of the internet, why would you ever have a brick and mortar? Uh, but the, the truth is, it's a heck of a lot less expensive to, to market our brands here in Tampa than it is on the internet competing against thousands upon thousands of other stores. And it gives us a great opportunity to kind of meet our customers one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, much of our product needs to be tried on or looked at or touched. So it gives them a great opportunity to kind of see the product in person. And it just gives us a connection with our customers that allows us to get direct feedback so the store has been a great marketing tool for us and obviously a, another revenue stream as well. When you also bent with the product, you started with bow ties and, and now you've got a whole oh, yeah, we, have, yeah, we have quite a few products now. Uh, but yeah, start with the cloth bow tie. You know, I think we added in the wood bow ties next and pocket squares and neckties. Uh, it, the first few years we started this business, it was everything was truly made by us, by my family. Uh, long term wise that wasn't very uh feasible for us so we we've brought in other people uh other local artists uh we now we have other brands we try to uh, carry small niche brands versus large retail brands uh and just yeah everything from you know dress shoes we just got into suiting with a with a new partner of ours uh hats socks sunglasses men's gifts a little bit of everything so, you know, you, you, you got it growing pretty good right before the shutdown, right? Yeah. Things, things are going well. I, had, I had great expectations for uh, 2020, as we and all did. And then all of a sudden, you get smacked upside of the head with your shutdown. Oh, yeah. So what led to you deciding you're going to make, can we call them medical masks? Uh, we're not positive on what the, the correct terminology should be for them. We're just calling them face masks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was a solid two weeks where I just didn't know what to do, honestly. Uh, I think I, I was sick for a week, so that took me out for a week. And then the next week I recovered, and then it just kind of was a, what do we do now? Uh, we shut down our shop on March 17th, so we've, it's been over a month now. And uh, around April 1 is when we kind of started implementing the masks. Uh, actually, my mom started with uh, donating 
uh, medical grade masks, so ones with filters in them, uh, to local hospitals up in Spring Hill, uh, where they live. And then I kind of just put that idea out to people on our email list. Uh, I didn't expect many people to respond to it and people wanted to get the masks for themselves. So kind of one thing led to another, we started making masks for the general public. And honestly, I thought we'd sell 50 of them total. Uh, and we sold 50 in the first, I think 15 minutes and we sold out in the first day. Uh, so yeah, it was a huge demand that I didn't anticipate for the, these masks. Uh, so it's kept us busy for the past 20, 21 days or so. Uh, and now, you know, we have some government agencies we're working with making, uh, you know, a large scale amount of masks for them. And we've been able to work with some local seamstress or sewers, uh, about 12 people uh, we're working with to pay them by the piece to help us produce these masks. So it's been a good thing. You know, we were able to kind of help the community. I see a lot of groups out there and it's amazing that they're doing it. You know, obviously they're donating masks to medical professionals, which is, which is perfect. Uh, but I haven't noticed a lot of people actually offering masks to the general public. Uh, and I think that's really a piece that a lot of other companies are missing. Uh, when you say it out loud, it makes a lot of sense to do this, but I, I just haven't found a lot of companies uh, selling masks to, the, to people. Uh, a lot of people are concentrating their efforts to medical professionals, which is obviously great. Um, so people are looking for these masks and we've kind of filled a small niche for the time being. It's amazing how you have the need and then the niche, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, one thing we're not used to is, you know, we're, we're, we're in the, the, I don't like to use the word fashion, but we're, we're in the, that industry. Uh, honestly, nothing we sell is needed. <laughs> so uh, it's all kind of uh, stuff that people want. Uh, so we've never been in the position where we've sold something that people need. Uh, so it's been a kind of an eye-opening experience to us to understand that there is a huge difference in demand for want versus need. And, and right now people, they need these masks. Uh, and so we've been, like you said, we've been able to fill that void. Uh, and we understand it's a it's gonna, it's a spike and then it'll go away. You know, hopefully it goes away soon, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, for the time being, you know, we're trying to make as many masks as possible so that people can get the, that protection that they want. So you're still selling the masks that you can put the uh, filter in? So yeah, so all our masks come with a, a slot in the back where uh, uh, some sort of filter, if you have an N95 filter, can be added to the mask. Uh, but they're all 100% uh, cotton. They're all can be hand washed. We suggest hand washing. Uh, um, so yeah, they're they're definitely uh, washable, reusable masks. So can they, can people go online and get, get them? Go to yeah. yeah, on our website, on our, on the homepage, the, the front image is a uh, is a is a couple masks. You just click that, and it'll take them right to the face masks. For anybody listening, it's e l l a d i n g dot com. Pat, can you put that up in the? Yeah, I'm typing it into Facebook right now. It's ellabing.com. And um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's that out there for everybody right there. Now, now, Brent, I know you had a, you have a philosophy for helping the crisis care network. And are you still donating to them? Yeah, we work at the crisis center. We've been working with them since 2013. Uh, We've also, uh, my co-founder and I, for this, this fundraiser called Beer and Bowties, Kim Randall, we, uh, we started that fundraiser in 2000, 
14 or 15, we've raised somewhere almost $200,000 uh, for the Christ Center of Tampa Bay uh, and all the proceeds go directly to them for suicide prevention and awareness. So that's been a really, it's turning into a large event this year or uh, over the past, this would have been the fifth year. It occurs in September every month, late August, early September. Uh, I don't know if it's going to occur this year. We're kind of still going through those processes now to figure that out if it's worth putting on. But uh, it's been a really big success for us. Last year we had it at Armature Works. We had six, I think 650 people come out. Oh, and so it's, it's turning into a large event, you know, something that Kim and I never thought would occur. <laughs> so it's gotten a lot of momentum over the years and we're uh, glad to be able to donate that money to the crisis center. And how do you find the connection between the philanthropy and the business? Is, you, you don't do it for the business, but is there a, is there a connection with the business? Yeah, I mean, I think since we, uh, from where we started, uh, it's only right that we try to give back uh, when we can. Uh, and the way we do that now is through beer and bow ties uh, mm -hmm. with our time and effort. So, um, you know, it's, when we first started, we knew we wanted to kind of work with and donate money to someone or some, some sort of entity. We didn't know what it was. Uh, luckily for us, we found a great and amazing partner in the crisis center of Tampa Bay. Um, uh, Clara Reynolds over there is an amazing person and has been just a phenomenal partner of ours. And we're so happy to have them involved with us. And we're so happy they exist in the Tampa Bay area to help people who, uh, who need the help. So Brent, you, you know, you're going along, you, you mentioned probably the similar story that most people uh, going through this crisis have is you, you've mapped out your strategy for 2020, um, looking forward to a great year, then this thing happens. Yeah. And you obviously you have to bend uh, and, and adapt and uh, it's, it's working good now. And of course, because of the masks, Hopefully that'll expose the business to more people who will maybe buy your regular products once you go back in. But what's, what's your plan kind of going forward once you're out of the mask? Because with you, I, I, I hope you don't ever have to sell another mask. I, I, I wish you a lot of success, but I hope you don't ever need them anymore. Um, but I think that is going to be our short-term reality. Uh, yeah. Whether it's our long-term reality or not is anybody's guess at this point. Yeah, we'll have to see where this goes. Obviously, um, you know, our, we're uh, we're trying to formulate a plan now of what our next step of action should be uh, once the mask kind of uh, starts to go down. The need for the mask starts to go down, and hopefully, that means we can reopen. Obviously, you know, that's our number one priority. Honestly, is to get the to get everyone where it's everyone is safe. Being in, I don't know if large crowds is the right answer, but some sort of a crowd and. Uh, that small businesses are able to open again, uh, specifically for us being in retail. Uh, you know, we, we depend on people coming into the shop. So us getting our doors open is a, is a huge priority for us. Uh, once we get that, once that occurs, we can kind of cross that bridge when we get there and see what our next steps will be. As a uh, fellow small business owner, um, just always, I'm always curious what, what was, what's been your biggest challenge during all of this? Uh, having our store shut, that was a big challenge, or it is a big challenge. Uh, you know, that's a huge chunk of revenue. 
uh, that we're missing out on. So having that shut down was, was been, definitely been a uh, difficult transition for us. Uh, and thankfully, obviously, the masks have really helped out. Um, but yeah, you know, being shut down is not what any small business owner with a with a retail or a physical location wants to hear. So well, certainly, and certainly, the the landlord still expects his rent money every month. Yeah, because you know their loans are still due. Right, right. <laughs> so, and they, they still have a mortgage, and they still yeah, have exactly. So it's you know, and and we're working with the our with our landlords on that now to kind of get us through this, and you know, just like they they're working with every single tenant that's in Hyde Park Village to get, uh, you know, everyone caught up and paid. Yeah, really, I mean, this is the, the, the timing, you know, there's never good timing for a pandemic, uh, but uh, the timing couldn't have been worse at Hyde Park Village because it's at an all-time high here, probably. Yeah, the you know, they, years. Yeah, they, they just put a lot of money into redoing uh, most of the village, opening up new buildings, uh, I know the Hyde House just opened, Meat Market just opened for Beachy opened recently. Uh, they, I think there's a Capital One Cafe coming in there. Uh, and I knew a few tenants inside Hyde Park Village that were moving to new spaces inside the village. So it was definitely, <laughs> there's never a great time for a pandemic, but uh, I would say this was bad timing for, for everybody. Well, Brent, I want to take you back to, to the bend that you made when you started making masks. It wasn't you started because you kind of had fabric on board, but you ran out of that fabric real quick. Oh yeah, Didn't you have some challenges getting more fabric. Yeah, so we've got that whole process. Yeah, so uh, initially, you know, it was an obvious thing for us to do. Uh, we we make, like I said before, we make a lot of our own product. My mom makes product, uh, and we sit on a lot of fabric. Uh, we try not to sit on a lot of product, finished product, but we do sit on a lot of fabric. Uh, so. The, it was a natural thing for us to do, is start making these masks because we have all this fabric that's just laying around. Uh, the other challenge was elastic. So our masks aren't the tie, tie behinds, it's actually an elastic piece. Uh, <clears throat> elastic started becoming hard to come by and difficult to come by. Uh, luckily for us, uh, we had just ordered a, ve a very large number of elastic stretchy belts uh, that were braided together. Uh, belts that were just sitting in my back room collecting dust because I couldn't sell them. Uh, so uh, instead of having them sit there, we started disassembling the braids on the belts and we cut them up and that is the elastic for the face masks. So I have a ton of elastic. <laughs> uh, but finding new fabric is a challenge. Uh, it's impossible for us to offer one color or one print because we just can't get access to enough fabric. Uh, there's a lot of people out there making masks. So, and everyone's trying to do the same thing is make as many masks as possible. So offering one, one set pattern for us just wasn't possible. Initially we did a, we had a lot of USF striped fabric that we did for a, a USF event. Uh, then we moved to patriotic fabric, but that's all gone. And now we're just at the point where when you order a mask for us, we're going to have to send you whatever mask we have on hand because we can't guarantee or ensure what fabric uh, we're going to have or what fabric we can keep in stock. Uh, that's just the reality of us going through a lot of masks and not being able to keep up with the demand. So does that mean that if a person wanted a cloth bow tie, they couldn't get it right now? If they want a bow tie, they can still get it. Uh, we try not to go through our, our, our bow tie fabric for this. Uh, we tried going through uh, some uh, additional fabric stocks that we had. So the, the bow tie fabric we try to keep leave alone. Uh, 
but and and the initials like i said was like a usf print we went through a couple other prints and the patriotic print was very popular uh that kind of put us on an umbrella of, so people could expect to get something patriotic stars stripes uh but now we can't even get that type of fabric anymore so certainly difficult hey brent yesterday on uh we were talking and about how uh you know necessity is the mother of invention and you didn't invent the mask, uh, but but you brought it into production. Um, have any ideas been spawned through this process that you might incorporate into the store that are beyond a mask? Yeah. So as I was saying earlier, kind of the the, the want versus need idea. Uh, I'm really trying to figure out a different way to maybe pivot permanently uh, to have more of a product. Uh, that is is required or, or needed versus a product that's wanted. Uh, it's a huge difference. Uh, we noticed an amazing difference in, in that. Uh, so yeah, certainly looking at different aspects. Uh, we Before this all happened, we were already looking at different angles that we could approach uh, for having different types of products that might serve different industries or serve different uh, people. So this kind of made us think in a different way, uh, having that need. Uh, option available. So yeah, we certainly are looking at those uh, different options to try to push us forward. So that's, that's a lot of what I do as an executive coach is take, talking about how to think disruptively, how, mm -hmm. how to, to come into that. What advice would you give other small business owners right now um, about what they can do, how they can think differently to uh, find other opportunities like what you're talking about yeah it's difficult uh you know for us it was just it was a lot very much so a lot of luck uh lucky that we knew how to that we made our own product uh lucky that we had a lot of fabric on hand lucky we had uh, belts that were made from elastic uh so uh a lot of these times these things sit right in front of your face and for two weeks they sat right in front of my face and i didn't connect the dots mm -hmm. so uh and i give the credit to my mom uh, she was the one that started making masks for, for medical professionals. Uh, so once you connect those dots, sometimes those things sit right in front of you and it just takes, you know, someone else or take a step back and, and see what you have and see what you can produce uh, to kind of help the other people. Well, others. I, I would argue that you weren't really lucky. I think you were just really observant knowing what you had. You looked at the resources you already had and then yeah. you looked at what what were people asking for and say, I can do that. Um, right. Pat stopped people that have a distillery that started making the hand sanitizer. Yeah, it's all those. Um, yeah. We've yeah, seen Tesla and other car companies start to make respirators. And uh, like say, necessity is the mother of invention saying, what do I have? I know growing up on a farm in South Dakota, we relied heavily on bailing wire and pliers to fix a lot of things. You know, right. we didn't have a welder, but we could make do with what we had. Um, yeah, and that's really, I'm, I'm trying to alter and change my thought process when it comes to a lot of that stuff, because seeing the way that this kind of unfolded, kind of opened my eyes to a lot of other things. So thinking like that has the potential to change a lot. Pat, did you want to ask that question you got online? Yeah, I sent it, I sent it in case Brent uh, I don't know if you noticed it, Brent, but uh, somebody had asked how many masks you've uh, made so far or, or sold. Have they been mostly like 
you know, onesie twosies or, you know, hundreds for companies or something like that? Or how uh, are you going to answer that? So the general public, we're, we're, we ask to limit the number of masks per sale to five. Uh, we do that so that we can service and get masks to more people. Uh, the last thing we want is one of those hand sanitizer deals going on with a toilet paper deal going on where someone comes in and buys 500 masks and, you know, kind of screws over everybody else. So we, we limit to five per customer. Uh, with that said, though, we've, uh, and as I said earlier, we've worked with other um, companies or government agencies and, and produced hundreds of masks for them. Uh, and that's for their staff and their employees. So we're nearing a, a, in the thousands of masks that we've produced so far. That's, that's really good. I mean, you know, take a tough situation. I really like when you talk about, you know, the, the need versus want and, uh, and identifying, I mean, you're, you're, you're legions ahead so many other people. Um, and again, like uh, Dr. Murphy pointed out, that's, that's not luck. That's, that's, um, that's foresight. And it's saying, okay, um, we need to pivot a little bit and maybe put some kind of gotta have stuff, you know, like socks. I'm sure that's what you're talking about. Some sort of product that would bring that pretty much everybody wears socks, you right. know, versus not everybody's going to wear a bow tie. A wood bow tie. Not everybody wears a tie. I'm not wearing one today. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. And yeah, it definitely is uh, kind of opened our eyes to different avenues and different uh, things that we can try and kind of aim for. That, that's outstanding. I mean, I, I think uh, um, that's, that, that'll help you get through this crisis and any crisis that, that comes up in the future, um, especially when you hear them talking about, you know, we may go through a second round of this and we may open back up and have to shut right back down again. So right, I'm hopeful, yeah. you know, I'm hopeful I'm sitting here in my office all by my lonesome. Uh, it's, it's really nice, but at the same time, uh, it's very expensive and uh and it's very quiet and it's very surreal uh so i yeah. can't wait to to be able to open that front door and and get back to business too i i couldn't agree more <laughs> so brent you make them the mask where you can insert the what is it a filter that goes in there to make it medical grade yeah i mean i uh from what i understand uh the n95 designation is what kind of is what people are looking for uh and they do sell or you can acquire those filters uh, on your own and our mask will accept those filters. Uh, I mean, I've seen something as simple as people putting coffee filters in there, uh, cutting uh, your air conditioned uh, filter into little squares and putting that inside the mask. So people are definitely getting creative. Uh, I, I have a few friends that start making uh, adapters for, for the masks because some people hurts their ears. So they make these little alpha laser cutter uh, adapters that kind of puts the pressure on the back of your head instead of behind your ears. So there's all sorts of ways people out there are, are, are helping people and then pivoting and making additional income because of this. Well, it's hard to, to, to imagine that there would be a uh, use for the masks after this is over. Or pocket have you square. found one? The pocket square. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not sure what, hopefully when this is all over, we're not sitting on a ton of masks either. <laughs> Hey, uh, so, uh, somebody asked the question on the um, uh, on Facebook and said, uh, "Have you tried partnering with bigger companies like a Bass Pro or Brandon Ford or something like that, uh, who are you know 
buying up mass in bulk and then donating them. Yeah, we haven't gone that down that road. Uh, quite honestly, we're just trying to keep up with what the sales we have coming in on the website. Uh, we've done a pretty good job keeping up to up to speed with that. Uh, so we're, you know, that's where our area of concentration is. If we were bigger, maybe we would try to go out to those big accounts. But, you know, we're just small potatoes here trying to survive just like everybody else. Uh, and the number of orders that we're getting in now keeps us pretty darn busy. So it's a great idea. Just something, a road we haven't gone down yet. How, how are they uh, deliver, delivered out? How are you shipping? Just U.S. mail or? Uh, USPS, yeah. Yeah, so uh, like I said, we, we uh, were able to bring on about 12 people in total to start making masks with us. Uh, so we'll hand them kits. They're pre-cut kits that come with the, the fabric, obviously, and the elastic. Uh, we provide them with a video on how to make the mask. And then they sew it and they give, it, give us, uh, we give them 40 masks at a time. Uh, they return the mask to us, we pay them per piece, and the cycle just keeps going. So uh, that's been really beneficial as well as people are out of work looking for income. So it's been a nice little addition for those people as well. Can you tell us about some of those people that, that have been, uh, that you've hired to make masks? Um, obviously they, they've needed some income or something. Are they laid off or what, what's their stories? Yeah, it seems like some some are furloughed, some are laid off, uh, some are just looking for extra income. Uh, honestly, people that sew is kind of a dying art. <laughs> Few and fewer people are doing this. Uh, so when you can find someone that sews and sews well, uh, we try to hold on to them <laughs> and not let them go. But uh, yeah, definitely looking for people that sew. Uh, and it's certainly easier said than done sometimes. That's a fascinating point in itself that you're kind of resurrecting an old skill. Yeah, yeah. Kind of died out. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that, for us, it, was a, it wasn't entirely difficult to get the word out, but, you know, we've gone through a whole heck of a lot of masks, and the way the community just kind of came together to help us was pretty amazing. Uh, and the people that are helping us now are, are just great. Uh, and we obviously could not have done that without them. So they kind of came together. We, we asked for help and people raised their hands and, and jumped on board with us. So that's been fantastic. Are, are you talking now? I know um, you go to Tampa and then you go outside of Tampa. Uh, is that where it's the bulk of you people coming and volunteering for help? So uh, since my parents live in Spring Hill, we have two locations we're shipping, producing and shipping out of uh, Tampa, uh, the shop, and then Spring Hill uh, is our second location. So my mom's kind of in charge of the folks up in Spring Hill who are producing, and she ships orders out of Spring Hill. And then I'm in charge of the Tampa folks who are producing, and then I'll ship orders out of Tampa. So those two lo locations are, are where we're uh, creating and shipping out of. Sounds like you're on the way to a conglomerate. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> let's hope not. I mean, no offense, but let's hope not. Let's, yeah. let's get you out of the mask business and let's get everybody into a bow tie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I have. Let's get those dozen seamstresses making bow ties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to double back because I know you said in the past, maybe still do, you have the, uh, the, the little video of how your dad makes the bow ties. Yeah. The wooden bow ties. And that's fascinating in itself. How they do it, and the one I have on is a mosaic, so it's got all these small pieces to it. Yeah, I think that one was actually 
could have been, it was definitely modeled after one of the ones in the video. So uh, it's got a lot of little pieces in there. <laughs> well, it's just fascinating the way they do it. And I always get comments when people can't believe it's wood. And then it ties over to the podcast that Pat and I are doing. Holy crap, how'd they do that? Which we may have to talk to you and your dad and see how yeah. they do that. Because yeah. um, people look at me and they go, I can't believe that. That's wooden. And it becomes a whole conversational piece. You know, that's, he, he's, he's super talented, my dad. But that's another pain point. And when we started early on, we were known specifically for the wood bow ties. But it's, it's capped. There's, we've had an extremely difficult time finding other woodworkers who want to make wood bow ties. Uh, that's even more difficult than finding people to sew. So, you know, everyone has these shark tank ideas and everything like that, but if you can't produce them, you can't sell them. So they're like, like, as you know, they're one of a kind pieces. They're super niched, uh, but people love them. People who wear them and, and, and want them, love them. By the way, for those of us, for those of you that are watching, you go to ellabing.com, E-L-L-A-B-I-N-G.com. And I've seen, I've experienced this the hard way. You see a wooden bow tie and you say, hey, that'd really be cool. Well, I'll just wait. Well, guess what? He makes one, one like that. And it's not, there, there's, there's what do you have, maybe eight or 10 different styles. Yeah, but, right. But you'll have different ribbons, you'll have different colors, you'll have different woods. And uh, it's unique. How often do we get to buy something that's totally unique and you can meet the person who made it? That, that's yeah, really cool. You. I appreciate it. With Pat, that Pat, I, I believe our time is up. It, it is. I want to ask one, one last thing uh, for Brent. And um, just as, a, again, as a fellow entrepreneur, um, small business owner, what advice would you give to other entrepreneurs, small business owners that are still trying to figure out how to pivot? Pivot because of this, what we're dealing with? Yes. Think outside the box. Look at the resources you have. Uh, see where there's a need that you can fill. Uh, I think those kind of three things. Find, find the need, resources, and definitely think outside the box. I never thought we'd be making face masks, but I also never thought we'd make wood bow ties either. So. <laughs> well, I'm looking, forward to, I'm looking forward to seeing what other lines you open up that are more sustainable. Yeah, I would, I, uh, I'm looking forward to that too. You know, 2020, early 2020, we had, like I said, a lot of great ideas, but that kind of went down the drain. Uh, so it's the rest of 2020 is going to have to be an entire repivot. You know, that's everything that we do is going to have to be changed uh, moving forward. You know, if we open up at the, on May 1st versus May 31st, I don't know, but the rest of 2020 is in my mind, a pivot <laughs> to, to survive for, uh, for the rest of this year. Because I don't know how the, the industry and the economy is going to respond. So it's kind of just a hold on to our seats and see if we can survive the ride. And it may be the best thing that happens because in 2021 and following, if you have a sustainable or evergreen model along with the, along with the frivolous model, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Kind of best of both worlds. Yeah, that evergreen's the way to go. <laughs> That's for sure. 
So uh, we're just going to wrap things up with a little plug for the rest of this week. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Uh, same thing on uh, Thursday, Friday, and uh, every weekday at uh, 2 p.m. And uh, real quick, if I can get my screen to pop back up again, I wanted to tell you one more thing, just a quick shameless plug for uh, Dr. Murfield and I's uh, latest uh, project. It is called Holy Crap. How'd they do that? It is a podcast on disruptive thinking. Look for it wherever uh, you uh, tune into your podcasts. And uh, we are uh, putting a new episode out at noon on Fridays. So episode three will be out uh, Friday at noon. And I hope you enjoy that. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, where that podcast takes us. Anything else, Doc, before we say goodbye? I just want to thank Brent. I, I first met him as a member of the Center Club and uh, once he said something about a wooden bow tie, something clicked in me and it says, you know what, I, I've, I've just got to jump on this. And I've been wearing them for couple years now. About five years. Yeah. I know I, I spoke in 2016 and I was wearing one. And um, I think I had it maybe close to a year before that. I've now got eight of them. They're the best marketing piece I've ever had. I don't want too many people doing it because then I'm not unique anymore. But um, still, it's it generates conversations. I it, everything about it I love because people that have the foresight, it's handmade. You know, it's a company that supports good things like the Crisis Care Network. It comes out of pain. Somebody that's pivoted, coming out of pain and into trying to make a difference because of it and it's just got all kinds of good things so it's well worth supporting can't support them enough and uh that's why we had to have him on and um we'll see if we can't get him on the the holy crap podcast because that fits in well maybe wait until after we get these uh the covid stuff passed so we can actually uh maybe film some making of them or something but uh, we'll see where it goes. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. We'll see you all tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, guys.